the poor and destitute. Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons. And the union workhouses, are they still in operation? They are. I wish I could say they were not. And the trade mill and the poor law, they're still in full vigour, I presume? Both very busy, sir. Oh, from what you said at first, I was afraid that something had happened to stop them in their useful course. I'm very glad to hear it. I don't think you quite understand us, sir. A few of us are endeavouring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. Why? Because it is at Christmas time that want is most keenly felt and abundance rejoices. Uh, what can I put you down for? <laughs> Nothing. You wish to be anonymous. I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, sir, that is my answer. I help to support the establishments I have mentioned. Those who are badly off must go there. Many can't go there. And some would rather die. If they would rather die, they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Good evening, everybody. It's the Dave Jusco Christmas Eve edition of the podcast. How are you? Yeah, that's right. It's Christmas Eve 2015, the end of another year. But the beginning of an unbelievable career for Dave Jones' Right, am I right, people? Come on. With my favorite Christmas music in the background from Charlie Brown Christmas. It really is my favorite. I actually come home. I tell Alexa. Oh, I can't say her name because then she'll turn on. Play Charlie Brown Christmas and she plays it. You know, so i got to whisper it because then she'll come on. She'll be like, what? What'd you say? I didn't finish. I didn't hear finish. I didn't hear you finish talking. Anyway, it's a horrible day in New York City. It's rainy and wet and gross. I mean, it's like driving rain. It's really annoying. I'm totally soaked. I mean, I got totally soaked when I came home. I'm not miserable. I just got soaked, you know, because then you get you get happy once you get out of all your your wet clothing. I'm having some coffee. I'm a little tired. And it's still a little hot, which isn't good for a podcast because you know you got to take some some time sipping it, but but it's very pleasant. And the coffee lifts me up, and it's going to be a great podcast. Totally excited about it today. Obviously, by myself, it's the Christmas Eve podcast, Christmas with the Godfather Part Two, but not Godfather Part Two, just the Godfather Part Two, and the Part Two of the sense of that it's the Dave Jones Podcast, the second part of the from last year when I did the Christmas with the Godfather. It's Christmas with Godfather Part Two. Meaning I will be reading today from The Godfather. I mean, then you say to yourself, oh my God, Dave Jones is obsessed with The Godfather. But you know what? Who isn't? Dave Jones is obsessed with two things. The Godfather and the movie Clueless. Why is that? It's very difficult to say. But it's a fact. And, uh, yeah, I'll be reading from that today. I mean, this has nothing to do with what's going on January 25th. I don't know. Maybe I'll change the line. Maybe I'll do some of the bits from January 25th. I can't decide. And now I'm completely nervous about January 25th. Now I'm going into the, this is why Dave Jessica doesn't do stand-up comedy anymore because he's an absolute mess. And he panics that he has something to do a month away. And, uh, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, just stage fright, fear of success. Fear of going outside, interacting with other people. Fear of everything. But uh, that doesn't have anything to do with today because today I'm not afraid of anything. I'm sitting here by myself. In fact, I'm sitting here by myself 
And they said today, you know, it's a little hot because, you know, the weather's so crazy. It's like 70 degrees here in the city. And, um, you know, I'm wearing my T-shirt because, you know, I'm by myself. I'm wearing the wife beater T-shirt. Why shouldn't I? Right? I you know, and I've always said, you know, I'm at my house. I could be wearing my pajamas. I could be naked. I could be doing this podcast anywhere I want. But I can't help myself. I got to put on clothing. I just don't feel like a person if I'm talking in the microphone. I'm not one of those people that, that feels that comfortable that, you know, like I would have to tell you I'm naked right now. But um, so I was wearing the, the, the like the wife beater. I'm like, yeah, I can do it this way today. And um, and I'm looking at the reflection in the mirror because I look out into the, the city uh, from my window and I can see my reflection and I'm like you know what I look ridiculous I've got to put a shirt on because I'll be thinking about it the whole time I'm like look at me look at look at what is that what is that I'm looking at I got to put a shirt on I can't look over at the other guy staring at me looking like an idiot I mean, I, you know, because I think when I'm wearing the T-shirt, if I'm not looking at myself, I, oh, I look pretty good. You know, I look pretty good. Then I see myself in the reflection, and I'm like, I look like, you know, uh, the guy that played Liza Minnelli's father and Arthur. Oh, I always liked that author. As soon as I met him, I always liked him. You know, the guy that played Seinfeld's father. But in the movie Arthur, he was amazing. He goes, uh, Dad, I met a guy. Thank you, Vince. Fitzgerald, everybody, I would have had for him. Um, I met a guy. Uh, I take it. Uh, I take it. You'll be seeing this guy or whatever. And then she's like, "Dad, he's a millionaire. You have my permission to marry him." Oh, it's a classic line. She gives him a tie for Christmas because they're really poor, and then he puts on the tie while he's wearing the wife beater shirt. Oh, classic. Guy's name is Barney something or other. He's good. Oh, he's damn good. Sorry, I told you. Um, I had to sip some coffee. Now, okay. All right. We got a great show for you tonight. Now, let me just tell you about this rain. I mean, everything's soaked. Everything in my book bag, in my script, everything's soaked. It's, it really pisses me off, you know, because it's a pouring rain. And you know what the problem is with living in the city? Is that you end up walking in the rain for a long period of time, whereas most people, if they live somewhere else, go to the car they put the umbrella in from the car to their apartment or their house. You're not walking in the rain for 20 minutes. That's what I just did today. I was walking in the rain for 20 minutes. I'm completely soaked. And it seemed to get harder as I go. I can't stand carrying an umbrella. So this morning I didn't bring one. And then I bought a little one at Dwayne Reed. And I should have just bought a bigger one because I knew it was going to rain all day. But I hate carrying it. I mean, I really hate carrying You know, that's why I've told you. That's why I like wearing a jacket. I hate carrying anything. That's why I wear, a, you know, a knapsack. As you know, a fifty-year-old man wearing a stupid knapsack, I look like an idiot. But I can't help it. But when I'm in the rain, I always think of this scene from Tootsie. I must say it. I think it every day, and I probably use it once every six months. I don't want a full house. I don't want a garden theater. I want ninety people who just came out of the worst rainstorm in the city's history. These are people who are alive on the planet until they dry off. He, it's so funny. That's Bill Murray. And he's a playwright in the movie. And he's just saying, you know, and he, he's at the party and he's just, everybody's listening intently because, you know, he's a playwright. And he's like, yeah, I don't want, uh, I don't want people, you know, who just, I want people, I want about 90 people who just come out of the worst rainstorm in history. I think about that all the time. And then, I mean, I, I remember all these lines, like I could recite them. I wish I had a theater that was only open when it rained. I don't like it when people come up to me after my plays and say, I really dug your message, man. Or, I really dug your play, man. 
I cry. I like it when people come up to me the next day or a week later and they say, I saw your play. What happened? Yeah. I did a thing about suicides of the American Indian. And nobody cared. Nobody showed. And I think the American Indian is as American as John and Ethel Barrymore and uh, Donnie and Marie Osmond. I think it's really sad, but I think that nowadays when people dream, they don't even dream in their own country anymore. And that's sick. He's so awesome. I mean, Bill Murray's just the shit. You don't know what he's talking about. He's just playing one of those idiotic New York playwrights you meet every once in a while at a party who, uh, you know, thinks he's all that. He's pretty awesome. So I always think about that. I don't want... I want... I don't want to play where people just come and they're just like this. I want people who just come out of the worst rainstorm in history and are just like, yeah, we're in it, you know, until they dry off. I always said, I did a play uh, about the suicides of the American Indian. People always ask me, that, like, um, they're like, what are you working on? I'm working on a play about the suicides of the American Indian. Nobody knows what it's from whenever I say it. Why would they? You know, nobody's Dave Juskow. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of you guys, uh, you know, we're doing the Fast Times Restaurants, the good, the, good, the good fellas, the good godfather. I know you know all the lines, but do you know the obscure ones is the question. And uh, I don't want people to come up to me, you know, after the play. I mean, like, we saw your play. It was great. I want people to come up to me like two weeks later and just say, we saw your play. What happened? He was uncredited in Tootsie. He's not in the credits for some reason. I don't know what the reasoning for that was. You know, he's a strange dude. So I don't know whether he was just like, I don't want to be in this piece of crap. I don't know why he would think it was a piece of crap. It seemed like at that time, let's say 81, 80. All, he, I don't even know. I, maybe he had just done Stripes. So that's pretty big, I guess. But I mean, you know, so you're angry you're working with Dustin Hoffman. Are you that much of a like, like a weirdo? It's just kind of weird, that's all. Mm. Love that movie, though. Love that movie. Oh, so tonight, you know, I, don't, I shouldn't be having this coffee because I already had a big cup this morning. You know what happened last Wednesday? I had three cups of coffee. That didn't end well. Tonight, right after this, we're rescheduling Artie's birthday dinner, Artie Lang. So me, Dave Vitell, Artie Lang, Russ Maneve, we're all going to meet at Carmine's and have a huge dinner. Like four fat guys should. We're going to have a sit down. It will be me, Salazzo, McCluskey. Now, I don't know this place, Carmine's, but if there was some way Clemenza could plant a gun, I'm not doing the Godfather thing now. I'm just going off a point <laughs> because um, I felt like it. And up front, we played. Uh, one of my favorite uh, Christmas carols, the the original one, the Alistair Sims, I believe his name was, uh, you know, black and white version. It's really awesome. And he's like, it's one of my favorite lines. Well, perhaps they ought to die already and decrease the surplus population. I'm obsessed with the Christmas carol. I really like it. My favorite one of all time, and this is probably why I like it, is the Mr. Magoo one. Peasant fellow. Hello there. <laughs> What's today? Hey. Huh, what's today, my fine fellow? Today? Why, Christmas Day! Whoop! 
Oh, it's Christmas Day! Oh, I haven't missed yes. it! The spirits have done it all in one night! Oh, do you hear? The spirits have done it all in one night! <laughs> Tell me, do you know the polar shop is next to me? <laughs> At the corner, do you, my boy? Well, I should hope I did. An intelligent boy. A remarkable boy. Do you know whether they've sold that prize turkey that was hanging up there? The big one. What? The one as big as me? Oh, what a delightful boy. It's a pleasure to talk to him. Yes, yes, my buck. Well, it's hanging there now. It is? Well, go and buy it. Ah, uh, go then? on. No, 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 stay. I am in earnest. You go and buy it and, and, and tell him to bring it here. Uh, come back with him in less than five minutes, my boy, and I'll give you half a crown. <laughs> a half a crown? Is that from, um, was that just from the Annette Funicello series we were just playing? A half a crown? You know, uh, when I, you know, I was so obsessed with this, um, cartoon as a kid and everything so when I went to London the first time and obviously I will do this again when I go this September uh, I will go to people and I'll be like I'll tell you what if you pick up our tickets and get our seats for us I'll give you half a crown <laughs> and see if that uh, I don't know what half a crown is but I'm going to tell people I'm going to give that to them as their tip and see if they jump for joy like that half a crown my guess is it's about less than a penny but I'm not sure I'll tell you what, you bring me those beers I asked for and I'll give you half a crown. If you give me a room on the high floor, I'll give you half a crown. Half a crown? Gee, mister, that sounds fantastic. Except, of course, they would speak in... Well, half a crown, that sounds delightful. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. May I say you are also a handsome man. You know, the funny thing is, that did happen to me when I was in... London, uh, low so many years ago in 2000, I went um, to open for this band called Roman Holiday. I'll play their song one day. <laughs> I opened for this band. And I also was doing an article for Maxim Magazine at the same time. I figured I killed two birds with one stone. And I found this bar just by walking around that was, and I, I don't think I told this story before, but I found this bar that all the girls that worked, it was all girls, waitresses, and they were all hot, and they all lived upstairs, you know, on some sort of, you know, intern thing, whatever. They were all from different places. Like, I met this American girl, Joyce. I remember we kept in touch for a long time. She had a boyfriend. And then I met some Australian girls and everything. They all lived upstairs from this bar, this awesome bar. And I would hang out, and I would just drink a little... And, um, you know, I talked to the girls. We went out for dinner a couple times. It was really awesome for, you know, again, Dave Jessica to, to be that way by himself in a big city uh, entertaining the ladies. It's difficult. I'm very shy. But, well, alcohol helps, obviously. So, anyway, I took these girls out. But I remember there was one. She was so hot. She was Australian. And there's no tipping over there. So, I mean, I was there for like eight hours at the bar, maybe less, but I left 20 bucks because, you know, which I felt wasn't even enough. And the girl goes, you're lovely. Like, she definitely would have blown me that night, I'm sure, if I could have hung around some more. But um, I think I had to go. Maybe that was the night I had to do the show. I don't know. You're lovely. I mean, she was like very sincere. 
I'm not doing it right. I'm not giving it the good. But leaving a tip like that was apparently phenomenal. So, uh, boys, this is the key to hooking up in London. Tip. You know how, like, you tip good here and the waitress, you know, hoping the waitress will be cool with it, but over there, nobody tips. So if you tip $20, it's like tipping a waitress $100 here or more. It's like being Axel Rose. Plus, you put on the voice, you do, you know, do a little demon, you know. Hey, you know, so listen, I'm not going to tell you. Or even maybe a little tougher, maybe a little more Italian, you know. Hey, listen, it's all right. Because, um, then they think you're on the Sopranos because they're all pretty dumb over there, you know? So, uh, you know, they do that and they're very impressed by that. They think it's cool. Whereas over here, we think people that talk like that are pretty dumb. Uh, over there, they're like, oh, this is awesome. What a tough guy. I better stay away from him. He probably knows people. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, listen, I'm going to leave you this 20 because I like you. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I think we should get together sometime after this, you know? And we can keep in touch. What do you think? You can do that there because, you know, I think they appreciate when you're not doing the accent that I'm planning that I'm going to do with my niece is going to drive her crazy, which is the Dick Van Dyke one. Well, Mary Poppins, perhaps we'll pop into a chalk painting. Well, bless my soul, it's Mary Poppins. And a proper book it is too. And a proper picnic it is too. And I know I've told you this before, that Dick Van Dyke, you know, I was watching it again, Mary Poppins, because, you know, I love going over there and, you know, telling everybody, like, so how do you feel about Dick Van Dyke's performance? I know I've talked about this, but my favorite story is, and I still do it on stage, but nobody cares, is that Dick Van Dyke's performance, people are so angry about his accent in that movie that when he did Chitty Chitty Bang Bang after, it's clear that somebody got to him, whether it's a studio or an agent or his wife, Somebody got to him and said, listen, don't do that accent. <laughs> because he's surrounded with British people. His kids are British. His biological kids are British. His girlfriend is British. His father is British. The toy maker is Benny Hill. He's British. The king is uh, Goldfinger. I don't know what he is, but he's got some sort of crazy accent. Everybody's British. And then, you know, so they're like, Daddy, can we take out Chitty Chitty Bang Bang today and take off for a drive? Yeah, I guess so. That'd be all right. That's what he talks in the movie. All right, kids, let's get going. Well, that would be lovely. Can we see Truly Scrumptious today? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, whatever. Somebody said to him, Listen, hey, you remember Mary Poppins? You're like, yeah, sure. Uh, thank you. you know, it was great. Was, thank you. Thank you. Don't do that. Don't do that this time. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. Okay, we'll do it. It's not a business. And the business is the business of show. Now, uh, Monday night, went out for Wings, and uh, the guest uh, star, you know, I always try and bring out the guest celebrities. Uh, this week, it was Gary Greenberg, the head writer of the Jimmy Kimmel Show who is a delight and a wonderful guy and I've known him for many years. I even helped him get the job, if I can be honest with you. Jimmy called me. He goes, what do you think of this guy, Gary Greenberg? I'm like, eh, sure. No, he's like, he's a great guy, great guy. And, and let me tell you something. I mean, eh, I won't tell you. I'll tell you another time. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, 
Jimmy's wife is the co-head writer, and this guy, you know, so the whole thing is, and you know, it reminds me of that movie Night Shift, with like, uh, I, I, I see he has the same land. Yeah, listen, I'm gonna put you on the night shift. Uh, there's a new guy coming in the uh, afternoons. Like, I see he has the same name as you. Oh yeah, I think it's my cousin. And that's the guy when he's watching TV. He's watching the Flintstones. He's laughing like he's never laughed before. And he's like, I'll tell you, that Bonnie Rubble, some actor. <laughs> Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. Uh, anyway, so we're walking away. Uh, speaking of being gay last week. And I see that Andrea McArdle is in a new play. Who's Andrea McArdle, you say? What? Maybe you remember this one. It's a hard knock life for us. It's a hard knock life for us. Um, she's the original Annie. <laughs> so I immediately took a flyer and I sent it to Sarah Silverman and my sister. And I said, and okay, listen to this story. This is awesome. I actually got home. I was so excited that we were going to see Andrew McArdle in a stupid new play, and it's a piece of crap play. It only plays like Wednesdays and Saturdays, and this woman has fallen so fast, and she was such a living legend in our minds because that soundtrack, her voice is interesting, and, you know, I guess it meant a lot to, you know, me and Sarah, my sister growing up. I mean, the soundtrack is good. I mean, come on. That song's unbelievable. Everybody, do you not know it's a hard knocks life? No matter how gay it may sound, I mean, we all know it. And we all know tomorrow, so it's a it's a kick-ass show. And this girl had an unbelievable voice. Actually, I was uh, looking at an old interview of her because uh, you know I was getting obsessed, and she was kind of hot. And I was like, you know, if I could date her, we must be the same age. That would be pretty awesome, right? I mean, like I could never pictured something like that when I was, you know, in elementary school, like listening to that album. Like, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna sleep with her one day, <laughs> you know, like uh, like Atel did to that girl in um, Fatal Attraction. <laughs> A little nine year, anyway. Long story. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I left you hanging, but I'll tell you another time. Anyway, so this, uh, so I pick up the thing and I call Sarah and I just leave a message on a machine um, and I go, all right, just relax i'm gonna tell you something now i just want you to i don't want you to get too overwhelmed or excited all right now just just hear it out and then just you know i don't want you to have a, a you know faint or anything because i know you have fainting spells but andrew mccardle's in a new play i think we're going now just try and process it first before you get all crazy so he said it just like that right so she's in london right now with uh michael sheen her boyfriend and she told me that she actually played the message for the newly single Kate Beckinsdale I can't tell you how happy that makes me I mean I told you I met this girl this girl might be the hottest woman I've ever seen I mean I know you say that about somebody but I dare any person on this planet to sit next to Kate Beckinsdale and say otherwise I swear to God I dare anyone to sit next to her and look her face to face and not say, and not just be in awe of her, just being kind of awesome, cool, funny, and then just her her face is just stunned. I mean, her body's ridiculously kick-ass too, but her face, she really might be the most beautiful woman on the planet. 
and uh, you know, it, I mean, I'm also embarrassed because it's just like, oh, that guy's funny, but you know, funny in a not, not a great way. Anyway, so the plan was we were going to go see this thing, but then we found out it wasn't a musical, and then. I just read to her, this is the uh, the premise. Uh, the, the, the play is called Two Across. It's a new comedy of crosswords and romance. <laughs> uh, two strangers, an uptight psychologist, Andrew McArdle, and an unemployed loose cannon ad man, Kip Gilman, whoever that is, find themselves alone on a San Francisco commuter train at 4 a.m., each doing their New York Times crossword puzzle. But before their crosswords are solved, they find they may have solved the puzzles of their own lives. Uh, I'm sorry. I immediately went down to look. Where is my, you know, the player clip that we always play for those television ones? Where did I put it? How did I not have it? I mean, how do I not have that ready to go? Uh, That sounds like the worst play I've ever heard. And it sounds like you know, again, the the clips that you, you know, the, the like the TV series we talk about all the time where somebody would try and pitch that to somebody. And uh, here, here it is. Not that it matters, but. I'm Dan Kalsky. Hi, Rock. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. What do you got for me? Okay. Here it is. The Graduate, part two. Oh, good. good. Now, listen. Now listen, that's the best part. Now listen, <laughs> there's more. An uptight psychologist. An up. First of all, you. This play's got to suck. I mean, we're going. Me and my sister are going. But um, an uptight psychologist. It's so obvious. And an unemployed. Best part. Loose cannon. Ad man. Find themselves alone on a San Francisco commuter train at 4 a.m. What are they doing? What are these? T- what is a girl doing alone? How are they alone if they're together? Each doing their New York Times crossword puzzle. Who the hell's doing the New York Times crossword puzzle if they're in San Francisco at 4 in the morning? That is a stupid premise. Because if you're stuck on a commuter train at 4 in the morning, or not stuck, it doesn't say stuck, the last thing you want to do is do the Times. You, you just want to get out of there, mind your own business, keep your head down. You don't want to look like you're smart. Or maybe San Francisco's different. Maybe that's where I'm getting it wrong. But before their crosswords are solved, they may find they have solved the puzzles of their own lives. I'm Dan Kalsky. Hey, how are you? Good, how you doing? Good. What do you got for me? Okay, here it is. The Graduate, part two. Oh, good. Um, let's hear the rest of that. <laughs> Listen, the three principals are still with us. Dustin Hoffman, Anne Bancroft, Catherine Ross. Mm-hmm. 25 years later, and so are the characters, Ben, Elaine, and Mrs. Robinson. Ben and Elaine are married. Still, they live in a big old spooky house up in Northern California somewhere. And Mrs. Robinson lives with them. Mm. Her aging mother, who's had a stroke. Mrs. Robinson lives, had a Mrs. Stroke. Robinson has a stroke, so she can't talk. It's going to be funny? Yeah, it'll be funny. With Dark stroke? and weird and funny and with a stroke. Okay. Maybe it's not a stroke. Maybe it's... I don't know what anyway, it is. It's a malady of some sort. Okay. She's up there in the bedroom upstairs listening to everything that happens. They've got a daughter who's just graduated that's from good, college. That's good. Young blood. 22, 23-year-old, like a junior. Julia Roberts. Roberts. Right. 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 
<laughs> that movie is really funny. I just saw it again the other day. It's uh, it is very entertaining. Um, so that was uh, interesting. In the news, several things. Uh, that Miss Universe pageant. You know, I was going to play the clip. I don't know if you've heard, but this idiot, Steve Harvey, Steve Harvey, who I always used to like until. He had his own show, and then he retired from comedy. You know, he pulled the Dave Chappelle shit. And then, of course, he instantly came back. So, douchebag. Again, for those of us who don't have the privileges that he might have in show business, the money to quit like that, and then come back, you're a douche. So, this douchebag, who clearly doesn't even want to be doing anything, is hosting the Miss Universe pageant. And maybe you probably heard it. I don't even like talking about it because it really bums me out. It bums me out. And if you watch it, it's even, it's so frustrating. He announced the wrong winner. So he announced Miss Columbia had won. And then she's going around, she's crying, she's carrying the flowers, she's crowned. One minute goes by. He comes back on stage, he's like, you know, uh, I messed up. The actual winner is Miss Philippines. And it's such, they should have just let it go and said he messed up later and I mean that's just so bad and he goes oh it's on me it's on me like that's gonna help and then he just walks off stage again they should at least take away his money something has to happen to this guy it's like this is the dickiest thing of all time I mean it's just such it's a horrible thing to this poor woman the Colombians are afraid that this woman is just not gonna recover how could she she has been humiliated it's Miss Universe She's been worldwide humiliated. Now, obviously, I don't know what kind of problems she can have because she's still ridiculously hot, but it's just so horrible. I feel so bad. I, can't even, I couldn't even watch the clip again. I watched the first time. I had to see. I couldn't play it. I didn't want to play it. I couldn't do it. It's so horrible. It's just an absolutely horrible thing to have to do to somebody. And this guy, then you, now you find out he didn't come to the rehearsal. And maybe he just wasn't on his game. Now, Donald Trump relinquished the rights to the Miss Universe pageant. And I believe that if he was still involved, I think there are some repercussions would have come to Steve Harvey. I really think he would have let him have it, which would have been awawesome. Or make co, you know, Miss Universe thing. Fix it. I, I feel so bad for that girl. And I'm telling you, when you see it, you'll understand. It's just horrible. I don't want to talk about it. It really makes me upset. I don't know why. It just can you picture that happening? It's something like the movies, like something that happened to Charlie Brown or something. Except, oh, this poor, you know how serious those girls take that thing. That's that's why I'm saying. I mean, you know, if you've ever seen anything, you know, the miscongeniality or all, you know how serious those girls take that. That is a devastating thing to have. So it's like with Seinfeld. It's a very devastating thing to be thrown up on. It's like the same thing. So Cosby has been fighting back to now all the people that, um, you know, have said that he raped them. (laughs) Sorry, it's just really funny. Cosby is raped. He's like the worst serial rapist of all time. (laughs) It's hilarious. It's so funny. It is. Come on. I mean, there's nothing funnier than this because he was the perfect father figure I mean just to be maybe the biggest serial rapist we know about of all time I mean he really might be 
So he's fighting back, and he's saying all these people, like Beverly Johnson, the old supermodel, used to. Say, she was saying he he was she you know she was one of those people, and he was like, she's a liar. She's trying to get a career back on track. Now he's going for it. He's just gonna counteract whatever whatever they say. You're gonna be like, you got any proof? You got proof? He's gonna go for it, which is the right thing to do because you know this situation. What are you gonna do, right? So anyway, there's a suit by this girl Renita Hill. And he's asked her to, to them to dismiss these charges. She's accused him of drugging him, of drugging her, and having sex with her several times after they met on the children's TV show Picture Pages in 1983. Uh, now, let me just read that again, and this is the reason I brought it up. Renita Hill has asked now, Cosby's asking to dismiss the charges. She's trying to charge him. With you know, sex, sexual, you know, rape, drugging, all that. She's accusing him of doing because uh, she and having sex with her several times, several times. How do you rape somebody several times? I mean, it's not you know he's not an actual rape. You know, I mean, if if she was drugged and raped, why would she go back? Why would she ever? Hey, do you want to get another drink? Wouldn't you say, let's say she didn't remember what happened. You've been drugged. She says she was drugged. Aren't you being like, geez, you know what? I don't know. I last time was fucked up. Um, something happened. I don't like I blacked out, so I don't want to do that again. So let's say she does it one more time. She goes out and blacks out again because they said several times. So you're telling me the third time. They have, you know, she's just, he's like, hey, you want to go out for a drink after work? Uh, yeah, I don't know. When I'm with you, I just get too fucked up. I, I don't think I can do it. Well, let's just have sex then. Okay, that we can do. I mean, you know, this is ridiculous. So he's kind of got her here. I mean, it's stupid. This is somebody who clearly is just taking a shot because you can't, you can't rape somebody several times. I mean, he's, you know, like I said, I mean, you can if you forcibly you know, a crazy person. But usually, even a rapist usually does it once unless they have them tied up in a basement somewhere. So if you're going back for it several times, there's no way she couldn't be cognizant of some sort of penetration even when she's drugged multiple times. The first time, maybe you're like, was that a dream? Was that a, what's happening? Maybe she's passed out. She doesn't know. Although you'd think you'd be able to, I don't, I'm not a girl, but you'd think you're, the next day, your vagina... You know, my vagina feels like I had sex last night. But I, I don't know how it feels, lady, so I don't, I don't know. But I, I'm figuring maybe there's some sort of like, oh, why do I feel so awkward today? He couldn't have... No. So that's weird. But uh, that show, Picture Pages, I don't know if you remember it at all. Uh, it was kind of... Uh, it, it was. It's not a great show, but uh, the best is it's... Um, there was a pen... Uh, named Mortimer Ichabod Crane was that it Mortimer it, it's a pen that Bill Cosby would use on the picture pages drawing board I just tried to get it yesterday my friend Tiffany actually bought one on eBay but it doesn't work properly now the pen was like a marker and it would make noises as you used it it was way cool and that's the only reason I remember picture pages um here, this is what it sounded like. A Wellington the Wiggly Worm and a Booker T. Bluebird. And when we get these things, 
we take Mortimer Ichabod Marker out. Oh, Mortimer Ichabod Mortimer, Mortimer Ichabod Marker. Line down to the house or the bird Sorry or about the, the worm, whichever it happens to be, okay? Here comes the marker. Here we go. Now, the star is right here, isn't it? We start. We draw our line to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And what do we have? Let's see. He's drawing with the marker. That's the sound it makes. It's so cool. Hmm? Here comes we a big. Here comes a big line. Wellington he's going to make. the wiggly worm. So let's draw a line from here down to. Isn't that fine? Yeah, that's fine. That's so awesome. Uh, that pen is so cool, and it's really hard to find, and it has batteries in it. And I mean, I want it. I want it. It's hard to get. I don't know why they don't just make them. It seems like the most obvious thing for Christmas. Make a pen that makes sounds when you do it. I What could possibly be better than that? Let's do it. Let's do it. It's called the Dave Juskow Podcast Pen. And um, when you draw with it, it, it plays this song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard knock for us. But that pen is way cool. Yeah, you can look it up online. It's just like a regular pen. There's a stupid face to it, but that sound. Which we actually found if. Uh, it's so weird that I found this is uh, the Mr. Magoo thing That's again, but if I go to the end. Hello there! <laughs> yes, in five minutes, my boy, and I'll give you half a crown! Half a crown? <laughs> a half a crown? <laughs> That's what made me think. Oh, man, I love that pen. So, I don't know. Have any, Has anybody seen Star Wars yet? I haven't seen it yet. I need to, I know. I didn't go over the weekend at 5 in the morning like I said I was going to do because I'm like, what am I doing? What am I, who am I kidding? I'm going to wake up early for that. Um, I'm going to go, you know, the week between Christmas and New Year's, I think. I'm totally into it because uh, I'm really doing nothing, which is way cool. Uh, so Star Wars made $238 million this weekend, which is, I think, unprecedented. Well, you know, now Jurassic World made almost that, so it's not that big a deal. I mean, it is, you know, it is, but... Why wouldn't Star Wars make it? So the best part is the movie that came in second. You know how Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were making fun because their sister's movie was opening the same day as Star Wars? And, you know, they're like, well, look, we can't compete with Star Wars. We hate Star Wars. They were making fun of Star Wars. They were on, like, the Seth Seth Meyer show, whatever, talking about, you know, ah, Star Wars, screw this, screw, ooh, look, I'm Jar Jar Binks, whatever. They were making fun. So the best part is that they were like, well, you know, we'll come in second. They lost to Alvin and the Chipmunks. Now that's comedy. So Star Wars made $238 million. Do I have Yeah, million. Doesn't seem that much, right? Because that's... Well, anyway. Uh, and the Alvin and the Chipmunks, $14 million. Now that's some drop-off. <laughs> That's like when you have uh, the TV where, you know, Empire and the Big Bang Theory are number one, and then it drops off considerably, you know, to Modern Family or whatever. Uh, and Sisters made $13 million. 
Now that's such a heavy drop off. Two hundred thirty eight million. Dalvin and the Chipmunks fourteen million. Now you know my stomach's starting to hurt. I shouldn't have had more coffee. And then what am I? I'm going to go out and I'm going to get a huge pasta meal tonight. I'm in big trouble. I'm going to figure out something. Oh, so I don't know if you saw Saturday Night Live last week. Amy Poehler and Tina Fey hosted, and it was probably one of the best ones I've ever seen. I'm glad I taped it because I stopped taping them after a while because they were just so horrible. But I've always said if there's a good guest, the show excels. And they were, you know, obviously they're going to be good guests. Now, I mean, these girls are really, at least Tina Fey is a major talent. She's obviously very bright and, you know, writes stuff and has really good ideas. Amy Paul is just funny, but, you know, we know Tina Fey is the brains. And even though in a way, you know, Amy Poehler started this uh, UCB with uh, some other boys, and that is a thing, you know, whatever. But that's a whole other thing. So Andrew Andrea Pfizer, who I always, uh, you know, she's in the New York Post, and I usually take her side, but she was, I, I think it's her, and she was angry at one of the sketches, which I thought was brilliant, and clearly, you know, you feel it's got Tina Fey's stamp all over it, which makes it even funnier, because it's really smart, and I don't know whether you saw it, but it was, uh, you know, a, a, a game show on meet your future second wife, and they have three contestants, they don't know what the show is, and they're like, and, you know, the first person comes out, and it's a middle school girl, which is like really funny. And it's a little, you know, 10-year-old. And they're like, what? I'm not even, <laughs> you know. And it's it's a statement that, you know, Tina Fey and, and women are making that men always, you know, date younger girls, which they do. And uh, I thought it was brilliant. And Andrew Pfizer said, uh, it's like it's a cringeworthy and upsetting as watching the Hindenburg crash and burn. I, I think she's completely off base on this. It was really funny. The next one was like, you know, a five-year-old. It just kept getting less and less. And the other one uh, for Keenan Thompson, his wife is in the audience. It's that big Leslie Jones girl, you know, angry, and he's and she's like, oh, God. He's like, oh, please don't be white. Please don't be white because his wife was going to, you know, shit. And it's, you know, a regular girl in her 20s or 30s. And then they tell her that um, she's pregnant. <laughs> and that's his second wife. So, I mean, that's I thought that was really, really funny, let alone, I'm not a string, Springsteen fan, but he was really good. He was the musical guest, and, you know, he's doing the River Tour of that album, so doing the older stuff is obviously a lot more fun than when he plays newer stuff, and he really does, uh, he certainly puts on a show. I, I don't, again, I don't really care for him, but it was... It was a very entertaining show. And then he did, you know, uh, the Christmas. Better watch out. Better not cry. Hey, Clarence, what do you want for Christmas? Um, and Paul McCartney came on and sang too. So what's better than that? So it was a really good, really good SNL show. And you don't see that a lot. All right, let's get to the uh, football and the college bowl games this is my favorite thing to do uh, I love talking about all the college bowl games I love uh, visiting with grandma grandpa wait I want to get 
yeah, where's my... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Now, these are all the bowl games. This is my favorite thing to do this time of the year. You got These are the bowl games that... And, you know, they change the names every year. So I'm just going to go through them. These are the ones that are coming, the college stupid bowl games. There's too many of them. They all stink, and you can't get to the playoffs. And you know how angry I am with the playoffs this year because they're on New Year's Stupid Eve, and it really does bother me. So I think, um, what kind of music should I put on while I do this? Should I put on the, should I put on this music? Hey, how you doing? All right, so we start off, or I don't know, what do you think? Or should I just put on the Charlie Brown stuff again? Because that's kind of fun, too. No, I think I'll stick with this one. Let's see what happens. I think it'll go off by the time I'm talking, but I'll keep it low. All right, start off with the New Mexico Bowl. Obviously, that's played in New Mexico. Then, of course, the Las Vegas Bowl, which we used to be called the Mako Las Vegas Bowl, but now it's called the Royal Purple Bowl. And then the Camelli... The Camelli... The what? Camella Bowl? The Camel... The Camellia Bowl, or now they call the Raycom Media Bowl. That's in Montgomery, Alabama. I found out that Raycom Media is a, it's a television broadcasting company based in Montgomery, Alabama, because that's where you want to be if you own a television station. And they got some. Uh, they have a bunch of networks. Uh, so they have uh, some networks out in uh, Tuscaloosa, uh, Ozark, uh, Alabama. That's a fun town. Decatur, Montgomery, Selma. Uh, everybody loves Selma. Uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas, Tucson, Panama City, West Palm Beach, Lake Charles. Uh, that's a w, uh, KPLC in uh, Lake Charles and WLOO in Jackson, Mississippi. They've got all the major markets. Uh, Cape Girardeau in Mississippi. W, uh, that's what we got. KFW. Wait, I, I like to say the W one is better. Uh, WBRC, Tuscaloosa. And uh, WDFX in Ozark, Alabama. Hi, I work for Raycom Media. Join me on station WSFA in Selma, Alabama. Uh, why would, uh, you know, well, I guess you'd sponsor that bowl if you all those stations, I guess. And then, uh, here's a good one, the Cure Bowl. But it's actually called the Auto Nation Cure Bowl. And it, it's to promote awareness and research of breast cancer. Uh, which is nice, but uh, I, I don't know if you need a college bowl to promote breast cancer. It seems... It's, oh, the music went out. <laughs> it seems awkward. Uh, I have to replay it. Yeah. Um... Anyway, they play at the Citrus Bowl, but don't confuse it with the Citrus Bowl because that actually plays the Citrus Bowl. And most definitely don't confuse it with the Russell Athletic Bowl, which plays the Citrus Bowl because this is not your daddy's Citrus Bowl. It's just dumb. Yeah, so the Cure Bowl plays the Citrus Bowl. So does the Russell Athletic Bowl plays the Citrus Bowl, but it's not the actual Citrus Bowl. You know what I'm talking about, right? Then, of course, you don't want to forget the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. R.L. Carriers is a privately owned American freight shipping company based in Wilmington, Ohio. Now, that's a good time. The New Orleans Bowl. You don't want to... You don't want to miss that. And then, of course, our favorite bowl. Wait, wait, wait. Let's see if I got the music from last time. I love playing it. Wait, where is it? Where is it? Oh. Wait, I got it. Oh, I got it. 
I really want to play it. I've been singing it all day. It's worth checking out. No, I guess I don't have it. Oh, darn. I thought I had it. Uh, it's my favorite thing from the, uh, the Honeymooners, you know. I'm all over the place today. You know, uh, live from Miami Beach, the Miami Beach Bowl. They don't have a sponsor. How do they have that bowl without a sponsor? Who's paying for it? Then, of course, everybody's made the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, which previously was the Humanitarian Bowl, previously before that, the MPC Computers Bowl. Everybody likes that one. The Boca Raton Bowl, where uh, Jessica Pilot's going to go this year. Uh, the Marmo Boca Raton Bowl. Marmo. It's an outdoor clothing and sporting goods company. Show us why you love the outdoors, Marmo. Join us for the Boca Raton Bowl. The Poinsettia Bowl, which is tonight, I think. Boise State versus Northern Illinois. That ought to be a barn burner. How about the Go Daddy Bowl? You've probably heard about that one. It used to be the GMAC Bowl. Everybody's heard of that one. That's also in Mobile, Alabama. They love playing those things in Mobile, Alabama. It must be uh, really great when you're a college team and, you, and you're like, hey, we're going to a bowl game. Where is it? Mobile, Alabama. Crap. Here's a good one. How about the uh, Bahamas Bowl, which is actually called the Popeyes Bahama Bowl. Sponsored by Popeyes. Mighty good fried chicken. That's Popeyes Bahama Bowl on uh, Christmas Eve at noon. Now, that's a good one. Now, see, that if you're in college, you're, we're going to the Bahamas. That is great because these schools are hard. Western Michigan and, you know, somebody stupid. The Hawaii Bowl used to be sponsored by Sheraton. They used to be the Sheraton Bowl, and then they pulled out. Now the Hawaii Bowl has no sponsor. Now that is a good one to go to. See what I'm saying? So if you get the bowl game and you stink and you're San Diego State, you're not playing very well, but you get to go to a bowl game because you won six games, can you imagine if you have the choice of going to the Bahamas or Hawaii or Florida, and then you unfortunately get the Mobile Alabama Bowl? Well, that stinks. I wouldn't take it. I'd be like, no, thank you. We'd prefer to not play. The St. Petersburg Bowl. Now, you might remember, this is my favorite one. Because uh, it used to be the Beefo Brady's Bowl. Everybody remembers that one. The Bitcoin Bowl. But the St. Petersburg Bowl started as the Magic Jack Bowl. Remember Magic Jack? You could plug your phone in, like, anywhere and not pay for it or something. The Magic Jack Bowl. But now it's the St. Petersburg Bowl. Oh, that's going to be for Connecticut versus Marshall. Well, that's going to be fun. You know what the thing about these stupid bowl names and games are like, there's nothing to play. They keep changing the name, so they mean nothing. So if you do really well, I mean, there's some guy walking around that just, you know, he never made it to the NFL, but he did really good in the Beefo Brady Bowl. And that's his thing, you know, like, Dad, did you used to play football? I sure did. I was MVP of the Beefo Brady Bowl, you little brat. You were what? You heard me. The I was MVP of the Beefo, Beefo, Beefo Brady Bowl. What's that? Well, it's a, it's, 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 they changed it to the St. Petersburg Bowl, but I'm sure my name would be up there if you... It's an embarrassment to everybody. Have the Hyundai Sun Bowl, the Sun Bowl. Everybody remembers the Sun Bowl growing up. used to be on Channel 11. Previously, the John Hancock Bowl. Now it's the Hyundai Sun Bowl. Hyundai, when you're looking for a smart, intelligent car, the Hyundai Sun Bowl. And our favorite, the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl, which used to be the Ticket City Bowl. Now it's Zaxby's. Zaxby's. We found out what that was last year. Wasn't it also a clothing store or something? Or the Heart of Dallas Bowl. 
It's played at the Cotton Bowl, but it's not the Cotton Bowl because the Cotton Bowl is Michigan State and Alabama. That's a huge playoff bowl, the Cotton Bowl. It's actually played at the Cotton Bowl. It's not, not The Cotton Bowl is not actually played at the Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl is actually played. The Heart of Dallas Bowl is played at the Cotton Bowl. But the Cotton Bowl is not played at the Cotton Bowl. It's played at the Cowboys Stadium. Then why wouldn't they play the Cotton Bowl? You got the Citrus Bowl. The Citrus Bowl actually not played at the Citrus Bowl. The Citrus Bowl might be playing the Citrus Bowl, but they got two other games to play the Citrus Bowl. Why do they do that? Uh, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. That's at Yankee Stadium. That makes sense. The Pinstripe Bowl. That's Indiana versus Duke this year. The Independence Bowl. I remember that one growing up. And... The Foster Farms Bowl. Are you kidding? You're probably familiar with it from the Diamond Walnut Bowl. You might remember that one. Obviously, the Fight Hunger Bowl, which was always a classic. Well, this is the Foster Farms Bowl. And UCLA was lucky enough to get into the Foster Farms Bowl and play Nebraska on that day, which actually is a good game. But, uh, you know, a couple of those guys are just going to be like, you don't remember? I, I won MVP in the Foster Farms Bowl. I scored three touchdowns that day. The Foster Farms Bowl. The what? The Foster Farms Bowl. Oh, you probably remember it from the Fight Hunger Bowl. No, I don't. The Military Bowl. Guess who got invited to that? Navy. I love Navy in that one, by the way. And then there's the Armed Forces Bowl. Guess who got invited to that? Air Force. Like, why wouldn't they? You know, they should have a third one so Army could go, except Army stinks. The Quick Lane Bowl which used to be called the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl. What's the matter with these places? I'm telling you, if you keep changing the names, it means nothing. And there's the Russell Athletic Bowl. Played at the Citrus Bowl, but it's not the Citrus Bowl. It's the Russell Athletic Bowl. It used to be the CarQuest Bowl. You might remember that. And, of course, it used to be the Blockbuster Bowl. In the 90s, when Blockbuster was relevant, they sponsored... Sponsored this, whatever bowl, this CarQuest Bowl. <laughs> the Russell Athletic Bowl. That's actually a good one. And then, the is it just the Arizona Bowl? The Arizona Bowl. But now, this is a brand new bowl. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. A brand new bowl. Thanks to Nova Home Loans. Nova has served the lending needs of its customers for more than 30 years. The Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. Please welcome Nevada versus Colorado State. They must be so excited. Hey, you guys are going to the Nova Home Loans Bowl. Yay. The Texas Bowl, which was renamed because uh, everybody remembers the Mighty Key Car Care Bowl. Now, that's the Mighty Key Car Care Bowl of Texas, not the actual Mighty Key Car Care Bowl that we've all known and loved. Now it's called the AdvoCare International LP Bowl, which is an American multi-level marketing company which sells nutrition, weight loss, energy, and sports performance products. AdvoCare. Jump all in. Join us for the AdvoCare Texas Bowl. The Birmingham Bowl. Oh, God, another one in Alabama. Poor kids. See, it was so much better when it was the PapaJohns.com Bowl. Ugh. It sucks when you have all these great places to play and you gotta go to Birmingham. And then the Belk Bowl, which used to be the old Meineke Car Care Bowl. Before that, the Continental Tire Bowl. Of course, remember that now. It's got the Belk Bowl. The Belk Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina. And the Music City Bowl. We, we all remember that one. But the best is it used to be called the Gaylord Hotels Music City Bowl, presented by Bridgestone. Now, I swear to God, that was the title last year. Last year. It was called 
the Gaylord Hotel's Music City Bowl presented by Bridgestone. Can can you imagine? Now that's even better because they'd be like, so where are you guys playing? You know, it's one of the college kids. It's Louisville versus Texas A&M. So maybe my uh, my uncle would be asking, uh, oh, did you hear we uh, we got into the uh, Gaylord Hotels Music City Bowl presented by Bridgestone? What? Yeah, Reed and I are going. To what? The Gaylord Hotels Music City Bowl presented by Bridgestone. You, w- wait, you're doing w- what? W- w- I don't understand. You know, the Gaylord Hotels Music City Bowl presented by Bridgestone. That's like that Simpsons one where they had the name of the group and it was called the uh, Homer Simpson Experience featuring Mo Sislak. No, 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 no. It was the Mo Sislak Experience featuring Homer Simpson. And that's what I've been trying to name my uh, when I sponsor a race at the track. I've always been trying to name it a really long name like that, you know. The Gaylord Hotels Music City Bowl presented by Bridgestone. Now it's called the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. Franklin American Mortgage, it all begins at home. Join us on December 30th at 7 as Louisville takes on Texas A&M for the Gaylord Hotels Music City Bowl presented by Bridgestone. I know that's not what it is, but I just like saying it. Let me try it again. Join us on December 30th at 7 for the uh, in Nashville, in beautiful downtown Nashville, Tennessee, as Louisville takes on Texas A&M for the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. Franklin American Mortgage, it all begins at home. The Holiday Bowl, you might remember as the Thrifty Car Rental Bowl. I don't have a sponsor. And now we get to the big one. The big one, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Now, remember, it was the Chick-fil-A Bowl, but they had to turn it back to the Peach Bowl so it could be included in, included in one of the New Year's Six so they could have a playoff game. So the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl has a playoff game. You know, not this year, but, you know, last year. And in 2016, it will. And they now call it the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl because it has to be called the Peach Bowl because they complete, Chick-fil-A completely changed it to the Chick-fil-A Bowl, as we know, if you like this kind of stuff. And then, of course, the Orange Bowl. But now it's the Capital One Orange Bowl because you might remember it used to be called the FedEx Orange Bowl. And those are some classics. But this one is a playoff game. That is on stupid New Year's Eve. Clemson versus Oklahoma. That's the number one team is playing in the Capital One Orange Bowl. Capital One. Bank smart. And then the Cotton Bowl. But it's called the Cotton Bowl Classic because you can't have the Cotton Bowl because technically the Heart of Texas Bowl is playing at the Cotton Bowl. It's not really playing at the Cotton Bowl. It's playing at the uh, where the Dallas Cowboys play. So it's the Cotton Bowl Classic, it's really called. But it's the Cotton Bowl. But it's the Cotton Bowl Classic. And that's Alabama versus Michigan State. That's two and four. No, two and three are playing. Right. Clemson's playing one. Oklahoma's four. So that's uh, the eight o'clock game on New Year's Eve, which I'm assuming I'm not going to watch because I got. I mean, there must be something I'm doing. And then everybody's favorite, the Outback Bowl. The Outback Bowl has been going on for years. It changed the Hall of Fame Bowl, which always used to be on Channel 11. You know, ruined. You know, you never get to see the odd couples. The stupid Hall of Fame Bowl was on. Northwestern versus Tennessee. That's on January 1st. No one cares about January 1st anymore because all the bowls suck. Again, I don't know why they're doing this on December 31st. And then uh, the Fiesta Bowl, which is one of the uh, six, but not this year. That is uh, Notre Dame versus Ohio State. Should be quite a good one, actually. But uh, do you know that back then the Fiesta Bowl in the 40s was called the Salad Bowl? I shit you not. (laughs) I'm not kidding. 
Now, remember, it used to be the Tostitos Festival. It was Vizio last year, but they took off. Now it is called, the. are you ready for this? The Battle Frog Fiesta Bowl. Do you know what Battle Frog is? Because I didn't know. It's an obstacle race for, it's a total test for people for all fitness levels. I don't know. It's like a like an obstacle course for people. I guess it's some sort of exercise club or something, and it's called Battle Frog, and they're sponsoring the stupid uh, the stupid uh, Fiesta Bowl. And then you finally have the Citrus Bowl. Also, oh, now they used to be the Capital One. Capital One used to uh, have the Citrus Bowl. Now they have the Orange Bowl. Which, I don't know, they just clearly like any sponsoring of fruit of some sort. But So now the Citrus Bowl, which is actually played in Orlando, possibly at the Citrus Bowl, even though they've had two other games that aren't the Citrus Bowl, played at the Citrus Bowl. This is the actual Citrus Bowl, the Capital One, but it's not Capital One anymore. Now it's the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Florida, Michigan versus Florida. And then, of course, the Rose Bowl, which is now, and these guys have committed for five years, which clearly nobody does. You might as well if you're going to do the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl is a big thing, but they have to call it the Rose Bowl, but it's called the North, the Northwestern Mutual Rose Bowl, but they can't really call it that. They have to call it the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is so serious, and that's why the other games are being played on December 31st. The Rose Bowl is so important for some God knows reason. They can't move their time and scheduling, so now we all suffer on December 31st because people that run the Rose Bowl are a bunch of dicks. And Stanford versus Iowa should be actually quite an excellent game. And the Sugar Bowl, which last year was one of the playoff ones, the Nokia Chosen Bowl. It used to be the Nokia Sugar Bowl. We all remember that. Now it's the Allstate Sugar Bowl. And you might remember the also the Tech Slayer Bowl, January 2nd. Oh, boy, that's going to go. It used to be the old Gator Bowl. And the Liberty Bowl. Now the AutoZone Bowl. The Alamo Bowl. Now the Valero Energy Bowl. Now Valero Energy is a corporation. corporation for other petro petrochemical products and power, Valero, refining excellence. The Cactus Bowl. This was the old Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, but then they became the Ticket City Bowl, and now it's the Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. Motel 6, we'll keep a light on for you. Join us January 2nd as West Virginia plays Arizona State in the Motel 6 Cactus Bowl. And then finally, the National Championship. I'll tell you something, uh... I went to Ithaca College, and we had to go, um, when I was there in 85, I had a friend on the team. I didn't go, but my friends went to the Stag Bowl, which was in uh, lovely, uh, uh, where was it? It was in Alabama. That's why I didn't go. It was in Phoenix City, Alabama, wherever that is. Stag Bowl. We lost 20 to 7. And then in 1988, when I had already left, uh, we won. We won the Stag Bowl. Winners of the Stag Bowl. And now they've moved them to uh, Salem, Virginia. This year, the Mountain Union Purple Raiders from Alliance, Ohio, beat the St. Thomas Tommies from St. Paul. Boy, that must have been fun, huh? God, Division Three sucks. So that's all the bowl games. I, uh, I don't know. I hope that was entertaining. I love the way they switch names, and then some of them go to the others, and... The Capital One. I think we're going to do the Orange Bowl instead of the Citrus Bowl. And then, um, whatever. Just uh, a word that the the ones I like, and of all the bowls, I like the Pinstripe Bowl. I like Duke plus two 
versus Indiana. Indiana stinks. I like that one a lot. I love Navy over Pittsburgh in the Military Bowl on December 28th, minus three and a half. I'm looking at the Russell Athletic Bowl. Might take North Carolina over Baylor. Your thoughts? North Carolina's hot. Baylor is not. But who knows? You know, these bowl games, you have, uh, you know, a month and a half to practice. Hard to say sometimes. I was looking at that stupid holiday bowl. Wisconsin's playing. I like USC, actually. And I like Northwestern over Tennessee because you're getting points. Uh, the Outback Bowl. Oh, and then, yeah, you know what else I like a lot? The Alamo Bowl. Oregon playing TCU. It's only a pick em. I like Oregon. I think TCU kind of faltered. Oregon was playing really hot at the end. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, now, last week, NFL-wise, I, you know, when I listen, I don't know why I do these. I mean, I love making the picks, right? I mean, the, the problem is the show I started as a sports show, so sometimes I feel I have to do it, but I usually like making the picks. But then when I'm walking around and I listen to the podcast for stuff, you know, I'm hearing my picks, like, on Monday, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm an ass. The big one I picked last week was New Orleans. I'm like, I'm telling you, but I did say something's wrong, and it's a, it looks like a sucker's bet, which clearly it was. Detroit beat the shit out of New Orleans, and I completely lost it. I made it my key pick that week. I don't know what happened. I mean, they just played so bad. I got it completely wrong. Uh, I got the Jets wrong. They lost by half a point. I went down Saturday to watch the game with my friend Kenny and uh, let me just take a sip mostly for dry mouth purposes mm, mm, mm. oh it's horrible it's cold um, I knew I should have gotten some water too but I was like no I'll be fine uh, oh the Jets they pushed you know but in my pool everything's a half a point more so I lost uh, that game was dumb but I went. I was glad I went to somewhere to watch it. But it's like this bar, and they didn't put on the sound. I can't find a Jets bar. Can somebody please tell me where there's a Jets bar? Where there's going to be other Jets fans? The Jets bar is scattered all over. The, I don't know about a Giants bar either. You know this town sucks. You know what they got? They got a Buffalo bar, Buffalo Bills bar. They got a Pittsburgh Steelers bar. They got a Seattle bar where you can go and be with the other Seattle folks. But there's no Mets bar. There's no, there's no Giants bar. There's no Jets bar. Did I just say Jets? I, I don't remember what I said. But um, what? What I say? What I say? Uh, what I do? What? What? Uh, yeah, it really pisses me off. So you know, first we were going to go to this German place, and I said, "Tell me that place is stupid." So we went to this other place. They were just playing. They were, and they were playing the gayest music. I mean, they were playing like, I mean, I loved it. I mean, they were playing ABBA and stuff but it was weird we were trying to watch the Jets game but there were plenty of other people that were watching too it's just you know it was a big game because you were hoping Pittsburgh was going to lose and god damn it damn it oh they were losing by 20 points and Denver let them come back damn oh, it was right there it was right there then, then, then this game against the Patriots this week would have been huge but now I don't see how Pittsburgh loses but uh, the Giants when I lost that. I picked Carolina. I thought they were going to cover the spread. I love that bet. That game was crazy. Odell and that dude. Oh, my God. What a mess that was. 
Kyle Washington, I find I got that one right. Jacksonville, I finally picked to cover the spread. I said that. And I was betting against Atlanta. I was crazy for picking Jacksonville as a favorite. Kansas City, totally covered. I had New England. They covered 14 and a half, I told you. Houston, I had uh, Seattle. The big spreads have been covering. Uh, you know, I picked Oakland, but Green Bay won because I just wasn't sure about them. That Denver one was a bummer. I had San Diego because you knew Miami was out. Uh, I wasn't sure if Cincinnati was going to play. I just took San Francisco plus the points. That didn't work. I totally took Arizona. I love that bet. And New Orleans was my favorite. Damn. All right, so this week, I mean, what's the story, right? Chargers, Raiders, I got no idea because the Raiders are minus six. I'm taking the Raiders, but I'm betting against the Chargers. I have no idea. That's Thursday night game. Saturday game, Redskins, Eagles. How do you not take the Redskins plus points? I, I, right? Everything's on the line for them. They control their own destiny. I'm taking the Redskins. Sam Bradford stinks, and that's the bottom line. And if he doesn't stink, then Mark Sanchez will. I'm going to go with the Redskins. Giants-Vikings. Oh, my God, what a mess. Is Odell playing? Is he not? That could make a big difference. Vikings are minus six. I think I'm going to take them. You know what? The Vikings always destroy the Giants every year. So... I'm going to take the Vikings. I don't know. I don't know. What are you going to do? I'm, you would assume at this point the Giants would be devastated with the loss, but they're a crazy team. The Bucks and the Bears, who knows? The Bucks should have beaten the Rams last week. They're favored by three. It's, what a mess. And then you got the Panthers and the Falcons again. The Panthers minus seven. We know the Falcons stink. Somehow they beat, well, what big deal? They beat Jacksonville last week. The Panthers are only favored by seven because that's the problem why they were only favored by six with the Giants. Nobody knows if they're going to play anybody. But my guess is after last week, I think they want to beat the crap out of Atlanta and just show people. I mean, I don't know whether they want to go for the record. Maybe they'll rest people in the last game, but I think they want to win big, and I don't think they're going to have to work very hard. I mean, I think they were upset that the Giants kept came back after they were up by so many points, but I don't know. That's why it's so low. The Bills and the Cowboys. I took the Cowboys plus the six. The Cowboys have a knack of keeping everybody close. They kept Seattle close. They kept, you know, the Jets close. They keep Green Bay, I think, right? They keep everybody close. Did they play Green Bay? I don't know, but they keep everybody, like, really close. So how do you not take the six points? And the Bills aren't great by any means. I don't know what the line is in the Saints and the Jaguars, but I hate them both after last week. They really let me down. I'm taking now. I mean, after last week, I'm taking the Lions minus nine over the 49ers. How do you not, after last week, take the Lions who, you know, destroyed the Saints uh, on the road, and then the 49ers who got destroyed by Cincinnati, you know, and they're on the other road, on the other side. I mean, it's nine points. The Lions shouldn't be favored by that many for anybody. What are you supposed to do? That's a really tough one. The Chiefs minus 13 over the Browns. I mean, I guess, right? Those big spreads have been covering. They never used to. The Colts over the Dolphins. You definitely got to bet against the Dolphins, even though the Colts stink. And then the Patriots and the Jets. What do you do? I'm taking the Jets, you know, plus the points. I mean, there's no way I can't I can't not take them, but I wouldn't put money on it. Texas and the Titans. Uh, I think it's minus three. I'm definitely taking the Texans. In fact, I think I made that my key pick. I think the Texans really put it together. The Packers and the Cardinals, that's a really tough one. 
Cardinals are minus four and a half. I think. I'm. I don't know. After the way the Packers played last week, I don't know. I love taking the Cardinals at home. I usually won't bet against them. So I'm probably going to take it, but I don't love it. The Seahawks minus 14 over the Rams. How are we not taking that? How are we not taking The Seahawks are playing ridiculous. I mean, at this point, how is it not the Seahawks and the Steelers in the Super Bowl? I mean, they're playing unbelievable. And then you got the Steelers over the Ravens. The Steelers minus 10 and a half. Taking it. That's a good one. They moved that game to 1 o'clock because they moved the stupid, uh, you know, Eagles game. No, wait. That's Which game did they move to the... Oh, the Giants-Vikings, right. Ugh. God, I hate that. They moved the Giants-Vikings to Sunday night. Like, who cares? God, it's amazing. And now they're going to regret it because if Odell Beckham isn't playing, that's probably the reason. I was like, well, that's, you know, at least he's there. He's a good national. How do you put the Giants on Sunday night when their record is subpar? The fact that they're still playing for a, a spot in the playoffs is just such an insult, especially to the Jets who might not even get in at 11-5. and five. And Monday night, I'm going all in on the Broncos, uh, the Bengals, rather. Screw the Broncos. They, they, I don't care. Bengals are the backup quarterback. The Broncos are the backup quarterback. The Broncos, after losing that game, I'm, now I want them to lose out. Screw them. Peyton's not playing. I got nothing. If they lose out, the Jets, if they lose out, the Jets might have another chance at the playoffs because Kansas, Kansas City could win the division. So, Bengals all the way. I'm in. Uh, I guess that's it, except for uh, let's do the Godfather thing. Let's just uh, have some fun, right? I mean, I mean, when, you know, I've already done an hour fifty. Like, when I started doing this, I'm like, oh, I don't have anything to talk about. It's Christmas Eve, and I don't have a guest. But um, I don't know. You know, I mean, I just like doing it. My I'm losing my voice a little. Probably should have done it at the beginning. But let's just read a little and uh, see where that leads us. I'm give you a couple of build-up things. Oh, because I, I already did some of this last year, so I'm starting in the middle. <laughs> I just like playing this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to do. My voice, it's, it's weak. Weak. Anyway, uh, if I had this part in the picture, you know, puts me right back on top again. But this, uh, this man out there, he, he won't give it to me. How does this? What's his name? Waltz. Waltz. He won't give it to me. And I, he says, there's no chance. No chance. And we got to go back to uh, Tom. Does he? Sonny? Sonny? Sonny, you in there? What? Your old man wants to see you. Yeah, one minute. And he's banging that uh, girl that looks like Luca Brazzi. Let's go back in. A month ago, uh, he bought the movie rights to this book. 
bestseller, and main character. It's a guy just like me. I, I wouldn't even have to act. Just be myself. Oh, Godfather, I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. You can act like a man! What's the matter with you? Is this how you turned out a Hollywood that cries like a woman? What can I do? What can I do? What is, what is this nonsense? Ridiculous. You spend time with your family? Sure I do. Good. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Come here. You look terrible. I want you to eat. I want you to rest a while. And a month from now, this hollow big shots is going to give you some one. It's too late. They start shooting in a week. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse. Now you just go outside and enjoy yourself and uh, forget about all this nonsense. I want you to leave it all to me. All right. Well, uh, now, uh, what time is my uh, daughter leave with the bridegroom? In a few minutes, right after they cut the cake. Now, your new son-in-law, give him something important? Never. Give him a living. Never discuss the family business with him. Uh, what else? Virgil Salazzo called. We're going to have to give him a day sometime next week. We'll discuss it when you come back from California. What? 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 <laughs> what am I going to California? Yeah, yeah, I want you to go tonight. Uh, I want to talk this uh, big movie, big shot, and settle this business for Johnny. Well, there's nothing else. I thought we got my daughter's wedding. Carlo, we're getting... Oh, wait, hold on a second. I got the... Carlo, we're going to take the picture. Wait a minute. No, Michael, not me. Okay, that's it. Just like now, hold it. Start talking. I was sent by a friend of Johnny Fontaine's. His friend is my client, who would give his undying friendship to Mr. Waltz if Mr. Waltz would grant us a small favor. Waltz is listening. Give Johnny the part that new war from your start next week. <laughs> and uh, what favor uh, would your friend grant Mr. Waltz? Well... You're going to have some union problems. My client could make them disappear. Also, one of your top stars has just moved from uh, marijuana to heroin. Are you trying to muscle me? Absolutely not. Now you listen to me, you smooth-talking son of a bitch. Let me lay it on the line for you and your boss, whoever he is. Johnny Fontaine will never get that movie. I don't care how many Dago Guinea Wop greaseball goombas come out of the woodwork. Actually, I'm a German-Irish. Well, let me tell you something, my crop friend. I'm going to make so much trouble for you, you won't know what hit you. Mr. Waltz, I'm a lawyer. I have not threatened you. I know almost every big lawyer in New York. Who the hell are you? I have a special practice. 
I handle one client. You have my number. I'll wait for your call. Uh, by the way, I admire your pictures very much. Check it out. Boy, this is really beautiful. Oh, look at this. Used to decorate the palace of a king. Oh, yeah, very nice. Why don't you say you worked for Corleone, Tom? I thought you were just some cheap two-bit hustler Johnny was running and uh, trying to bluff me. Well, I don't like to use his name unless it's really necessary. How's your drink, Tom? Oh, fine. Hey, come on over here with me. I want to show you something really beautiful. You do appreciate beauty, don't you? There you are. 600,000 on four hooves. I bet a Russian czar never paid that kind of dough for a single horse. Carto, carto. Nah, I'm not going to race him, though. I'm going to put him out to stud. It's beautiful. Thanks, Tony. You're welcome, boss! Let's get something to eat, huh? Now, Mr. Corleone is Johnny's godfather. To the Italian people, it's a very religious, sacred, close relationship. I respect that. Just tell him he should ask me anything else. But this is one favor I can't give him. He doesn't ask a second favor once he's been refused the first. Understood? Oh, no, you don't understand. Johnny Fontaine never gets that movie. That part is perfect for him. It'll make him a big star. And I'm going to run him out of the business. And let me tell you why. Johnny Fontaine ruined one of Walter's International's most valuable protégés. For five years, we had her under training, singing lessons, acting lessons, dancing lessons. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on her. I was going to make her a big star. And let me be even more frank, just to show you that I'm not a hard-hearted man, and it's not all dollars and cents. She was beautiful. She was young. She was innocent. She was the greatest piece of ass I ever had, and I've had her from all over the world. And then, Johnny Fontaine comes along with his olive oil voice and his guinea charm, and she runs off. She threw it all away just to make me look ridiculous, and a man in my position can't afford to be made to look ridiculous. Now you get the hell out of here, and if that Goomba tries any rough stuff, you tell him I ain't no band leader. Yeah, I heard that story. Thank you for the dinner and a very pleasant evening. If your car could take me to the airport and possibly a Taco Bell since I really haven't finished my dinner, Mr. Corleone is a man who insists on hearing bad news immediately. Can I get this to go? <laughs> Let's just assume the horse's head thing happens. No, no, slept on the plane. Slept like a baby, even after cutting off that horse's head. <laughs> How are you? I have that to Solazzo notes here. Now, Solazzo is known as the Turk. He's supposed to be very good with a knife, but only in matters of business or some sort of reasonable complaint. His business is narcotics. His fields in Turkey where they grow the poppy. And in Sicily, he has the plants to process them into heroin. Now he needs cash. He needs protection from the police for which he gives a piece of the action. I couldn't find out how much. 
The Tatalia family is behind him here in New York. Now they have to be in it for something. What about what about this prison record? Two terms. One in Italy, one here. He's known as a top narcotics man. What do you think? A lot of money in that white powder. Tom? Well, I say yes. There's more money potential in narcotics, narcotics than anything else we're looking at now. If we don't get into it, somebody else will. Maybe one of the five families, maybe all of them. Now, with the money they earn, they can buy more police and political power. And they come after us. Now, we have the unions, we have the gambling, and they're the best things to have. But narcotics is a thing of the future. And if we don't get a piece of the action, we risk everything we have. I mean, not now, but ten years from now. What's the answer going to be, Pop? Don Corleone, I need a man who has powerful friends. I need a million dollars in cash. I need Don Corleone, those politicians that you carry in your pocket like so many nickels and dimes. And uh, what is the interest for my family? 30%. In the first year, you should end up be three, four million dollars, and then it would go up. And what is the interest for the Tataya family? My compliments. I'll take care of the Tataya's out of my share. So, uh, let me see if I get this right. I received 30% for finance, political influence, and legal protection. That's what, you, that's what you're telling me, right? That's right. Why, why, why do you come to me? Why do I deserve this uh, generosity? Well, if you consider a million dollars in cash as finance, to salute, Don Corleone. I said that I would see because I heard you were a very serious man to be treated with respect. But um, I must say no to you. And I'll give you my reasons. No, I don't really need the reasons. No, I'm going to give them to you anyway. It's true. I have a lot of friends in politics, but they wouldn't be friendly very long if they knew my business was drugs instead of gambling, which they rule that as a harmless voice. But drugs, drugs is a, is a dirty business. But your business is uh, a little dangerous. If you're worried about security for your million, the tires will guarantee it. Are you telling me that the tires guarantee it? Wait, 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 wait. What the f- son are you fucking? I have a sentimental weakness for my children. I spoil them, as you can see. They talk when they should listen. But anyway, Senor Salazar, I know it's final, and I uh, wish to congratulate you on your new business. And I hope you do very well. And good luck to you. As uh, best as your interest, don't look with my interest, I don't see any, uh, I see no problems. Looks like everything should be smooth. Like the whole thing never happened. Thank you. Santino, come here. What's the matter with you? Your brain is going soft from, uh, all that comedy you're playing with the young girl. What's the matter with you? That girl looks like Luca Bazzi with a big vagina. Never tell anybody outside the family what you're thinking again. Or else. Tom, what, what, is, what, is, what, is, what is this nonsense? Is it? 
It's from Johnny, starting in that new film. Uh, take, 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 take it away. Put, put, put it over there. And uh, uh, tell Luca Brasi to come in. I'm a little worried about this uh, Salazzo fella. I want you to find out what he's got under his fingernails. You know, go to the the ties, make them think you're not you're not happy with the family, and find out what you can. Uh, Don Corleone, that's kind of a dumb plan since everyone knows I'm loyal to you. Well, then make a pass at him. That'll be uh, that you're like a homosexual, and that should be good. I got something for your mother and for Sonny and a tie for Freddie and Tom Hagen got the Reynolds pen. And what do you want for Christmas? Oh. I guess that's it. I don't know why I started doing that part. That's the end of The Godfather. Christmas of the Godfather Part 2. Not quite the ending I was looking for, but it is what it is. Christmas for The Godfather. Christmas Eve, and it's, I just want everybody to have a happy new year, and, and someday, I feel it's all going to work out for all of us, you know what I mean? So those of you, wherever you are, a pleasant day, and many happy returns. I'm not going to, I was going to end it there, but, um... I think we have to end it with um, this again because it's going to be more of a jazz. Yeah. How about here? Mm hmm. End it the way we started it today. Next week I'll be reading from uh, Two Across, which is the new Andrew McArdle play. Two strangers, an uptight psychologist, and an unemployed loose cannon. All right, I'm just kidding. Well, uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, which I'm taping this on a Wednesday. I've got to go meet uh, Artie for dinner. That should be a shit show. <laughs> Carmines, those kind of portions. Me, Artie, and Atel. It's going to be like an eating contest. But it should be good. I'm in a good mood. I think it maybe it stopped raining. Maybe I'll even city bike up there. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, only Mary Poppins knows. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, definitely coming back next week. I'm not taking a break. I usually, last year I took a break on New Year's. I'm not taking one. Not taking one. It's going to be easy for me to do the podcast next week. And then there's really no reason to stop. We'll just keep going until the Super Bowl, right? And then, uh, I don't know. I guess I'll stop when I feel like it. I deserve a break, though, right? I mean, y'all agree. Well, I hope everybody have a good time. I can't imagine anybody's going to listen to the podcast this week, being Christmas and the holidays and all, but technically, really, it's the perfect time to listen. I mean, if it was just at home, you're doing nothing. Put a little fire, a little U-log action to listen to the Dave Juskow Show. I can't think of a better way to spend Christmas. I have to leave these proceedings right now, but... I just want to say that the Italian people are some of the finest people I've ever met. And I'd hate for a few bad apples to ruin it for everyone. 
I think as soon as I get off, I'm just going to put this album on, dim the lights a little bit, put on my, uh, my cow lights. I have uh, cow lights instead of Christmas lights. Put it on, get me- Oh, no, I don't want to do that. Otherwise, I'll fall asleep and I'll never get out. Well, yeah. Talk about television, I forgot. No, the Big Bang Theory uh, did really well. I mean, really up there with almost Sunday Night Football because Sheldon um, had sex with, uh, you know, what's her face? Amy Farrow, you know. So that was big. Did really well. And Rob Lowe is uh, nominated for Golden Globe. I told you he's also going to be on a new NBC show at the same time called You, Me, and the Apocalypse. How about this guy? That's pretty much it. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting bored with television. Can you believe that? Kind of stopped watching a bunch of shows, just got fed up. Once the Fios came, I just got rid of everything on the DVR, and I'm like, you know what? Good. Eh, We'll see what happens in January. Still like Limitless. Enjoy the Blacklist this season. And uh, I guess I'll keep watching Supergirl. What's the matter with me? She's hot. Anyway, Merry Christmas, everybody. And what you talking about, everyone? <laughs>